So apparently I'm supposed to, we're supposed to speak into this so it's heard so that uh, it can be recorded. So anytime I'm not sure about an answer and it might be, I think it might be kind of borderline heretical, I'll put the microphone away like this. So it's not recorded. So we'll start by, um, we'll, I have a bunch of questions for them already prepared. And then if we have time at the end, uh, I might give you the mic to ask a question or two. We'll see if we have time. So, um, so. Um, basically you guys left Oregon when you were 24 ish and you moved to Peru. So, um, what was life like in Oregon, uh, married for four or five years ish and then moving? What, what was, what was going on in your life then? And what kind of pushed you? Well, I could go a really long answer on that. Um, I, I was an electrician. I grew up, my, my dad was an electrician, and uh, I wanted to marry Amy. We met in junior high, and uh, so we got married at 19, quite young. And, uh, and then I was an electrician by the time uh, I was 24. Amy was 23 is when we uh, decided to, to go to Peru. And uh, really, the Lord had been working on, on both of us quite a bit in the years leading up to that. I guess once we were... Once we were married, uh, really growing in the Lord a lot and uh, our eyes being open to the mission field as different missionaries actually came and shared at our at our assembly in Portland, Oregon. And um, but really, I just wanted to share the gospel with anything that moved. As I was an electrician, I I shared the gospel with everybody that I worked with. And uh, but then more and more as we met different missionaries and really kind of saw a bigger picture of the world and the need. Um, and Amy and I, I actually went on a missions trip to Peru with our assembly. About 15 people went on this trip um, to visit the Elliots, Bert and Colleen Elliott. Bert was Jim Elliott's brother. He went to Peru a few years before Jim went to Ecuador. And they were in Peru for about 64 years and planted like 150 assemblies. Uh, really an incredible work. And uh, they were visiting our assembly. Well, um, so I guess I'm going with the long answer here. A little right, bit. Sorry. And uh, um, so we went on this missions trip. Actually, the missions trip we went on was just before we got married when we were 19 years old. And uh, there's 15 people on this trip. And it was a great time. I was sort of uh, blinded by love the whole time. So I don't remember that much. I was just I was all I wanted to do was ask Amy to marry me. But the missions trip leader told me I couldn't do that on the trip. And uh, that still annoys me. It would have been the greatest thing to ask her in Peru where we ended up going. But uh, <clears throat> anyway, on that trip, it was it was a great trip. Uh, and then we sat on the plane afterwards, flying away. We're leaving Peru, going back to the States, going back to my electrical job. And I remember sitting on the plane next to Amy and I told her I would never want to live in a country like that. And I would never want to do what missionaries do. I mean, it was Impressive. It was great what they do. I'm so glad that the missionaries do that. And, I, and I'm, you know, it was interesting to meet a different culture and different and believers in a different country, but I would never want to do that. Everyone else on the team, they all vowed that they were going back for sure for the rest of their lives. And it ends up that none of them went back and we're the only ones that did. And so a few years after that, I went back to work as an electrician. We got married uh, and uh, then the Elliots came for a visit a couple years later. And uh, and this is when the Lord was really working on us yet towards missions. And at that point, I was really ready to to go anywhere. And we were actually thinking more towards Africa. Um, but then the Elliots came and visited and we had them over to our house for 
for lunch after he preached on Sunday and, and they just they said, hey, why not Peru? You guys have been to Peru. You guys are thinking about the mission field. And I started thinking, wow, well, I guess, I mean, we've been there before. We at least have kind of an idea of what it looks like. And um, the main thing for me was uh, we were thinking of Africa and Uganda. You can get away with just English. And I did not want to have to learn another language. I, I thought I, I probably can't do that. But uh, anyway, so, yeah, went to Peru and uh, everything changed. I'll let Amy take it from here. I'm very sure you said everything. No, there's more. I can say a lot more. I don't know what you're thinking. We, the, the, the next question is kind of continuation, so we'll, we'll go to that. Um, so, continuing that, uh, as, a, as a young couple, so you got to think back to when you're that age, um, as a young couple... Way back, right? <laughs> we still consider ourselves young. <laughs> as a younger couple, uh, as, a, as a dad, right, you had two kids at the time. Um, so as a dad, as a mom, as a couple, uh, what were some of the difficulties you had to overcome? And then, and like the obstacles, what, what were some of the obstacles you had to hurdle to get to Peru, if there were any? <clears throat> well, um, I guess... Like going back to where he was talking about being interested in going to Uganda, um, we just had one at that time. And we were talking to the elders and saying, and Micah, like when he said he was becoming interested, he was really like evangelizing everyone, like at the gas station and um, at the grocery store and like add on every to every outing, add on 15 minutes because you had to tell the gospel to everyone. So the elders saw, you know, this just, and he was memorizing scripture and he was just really like skyrocket kind of growth. And, and so the elders saw all of that. And, um, so they were looking with us at the possibilities of missions. Well, I, we just had one and he was, well, let's see, he was only months old. It was during the time when I was pregnant and then, you know, he was newborn. And, um, during those four months, until we found out I was pregnant again. Well, going to Uganda, there's like all these diseases, AIDS and um, what are the main ones? Malaria and the same kind of things that we have in Peru, actually. But um, but they're more rampant, I guess. Um, but that kind of, the elders were like, why don't you wait until they can get all their immunizations? Because you can't get immunizations till you're two, you know, finish all of them. So we thought we would wait. So that was one of the big ones is like, whoa, can't go. So we waited until Cullen was born. And at that time, we had tons of opportunity. We started um, an evangelistic Bible study with Hispanics. And that was really cool. We didn't know Spanish. Um, we learned a couple of phrases like, how interesting. Let's keep reading. And we would just read the Bible. And they would say stuff. What do you think? And they would say stuff, how interesting, let's keep reading. So that was kind of fun. And, and actually two of them um, professed to profess faith. And it was really, anyway, so all that gave that time to work out in, you know, giving our kids time to get a little bigger. Um, but then, and, but, and so immunizations was like a big thing to us. That was a kind of like a barrier. Like, oh, what if they get sick? That's not fair to go to the mission field and expose them. Then we realized, you know, in other countries, babies are born there, you know, and they have to 
they're exposed to those things. They get immunizations and they survive their childhood, you know. So once we got there, then it was sort of not so big of a deal. Um, we realized, oh, you know, other people in the world are fine. And um, so that wasn't a big, we realized. Um, also, one of the things that was difficult for Micah was language learning when the kids were small. Um for both of us, because having little kids, um, you don't have a lot of time <laughs> for studying. Uh, we couldn't go to like a full-time classes. Plus, there wasn't any offered um, in the city that we lived in. Um, so finding time to study language was hard with little kids, but um, we did it. <laughs> and it was fine. And eventually we learned. I don't know. I can't think of anything else that pertains to that question necessarily. Yeah. Any any hurdles as a dad you had? Um, I remember one of my coworkers when I was an electrician. We went through the apprenticeship together, and and he when we were getting ready to leave, and he he was like, "What are you doing? I mean, you can go, you know, ruin your life over in a third world country and, and possibly die of malaria or something, but." You can't take your kids and do that. Um, and that was kind of the first time I'd thought of that. <laughs> and uh, and that was his perspective. My grandpa also, who's not a believer, he he really was against the idea of thinking, you know, you're going to waste your kids' lives. Uh, they're going to have to grow up in this terrible country. And um, <clears throat> I guess, um, I mean, we had different people say those kinds of things. Um, but... Uh, I, I guess you could, some people might call us irresponsible, but uh, I really think uh, we're just, you know, completely at the point of putting our lives into God's hands and God, you're in control and uh, you're the giver of life, taker of life. If we go over there and you take one of our lives and glory to God, if we go over there and you bless us a lot, glory to God. And uh, I kind of think that that's just the, the attitude that that uh, we started with and, and that we still have. Um, obviously, there's sometimes you you begin to let fears creep in. Um, but um, now, I guess we've lived in in Peru long enough that if uh, feel almost like as far as like medical things and, and for our kids, we'd almost rather have uh, medical attention in Peru than here. Uh, so anyway, that's just something that. Uh, you get used to, and uh, the Lord takes care of us. Um, so the next question is, in regards to moving, uh, kind of what was the Lord showing you? What Bible verses did you cling to? Um, and if, if someone has consideration of crossing the culture for the spread of the gospel, what would you say to them? So that's kind of a twofold question. Is what was the Lord specifically teaching you, maybe Bible verses you clung to, and then what would you say to someone who would want to go? Yeah, um, one one Bible verse that um, that I really clung to was Amos seven fourteen. Uh, then Amos answered and said to Amaziah, "I'm not a prophet, nor the son of a prophet. I'm a herdsman and a grower of sycamore figs. But the Lord took me from following the flock and said to me, Go prophesy to my people Israel.' And I love that verse because uh, I I kind of identify with Amos. I feel like. I'm not a prophet or the son of a prophet, even though I almost had a vision last night. I, I kind of seem like a prophet. Um, 
but uh, I, I'm not a pastor or a son of a pastor or missionary, son of a missionary uh, or a preacher. Um, I'm an electrician and the son of an electrician. And uh, but I just really felt like Amos, uh, the Lord took me from following the wire reel and said to me, go prophesy or preach to whoever will listen, basically, is what if I don't feel like uh, we're specifically called to Peru. Um, it's just that door opened up for us. And so we went for it. And um, so anyway, that was a, a real verse, because at, at the time, really uh of of considering the mission field and really feeling quite inadequate, Lord, kind of like Moses, he, I can't speak. I don't talk very well. Um, I I don't have a seminary degree. Um, I, you could uh, put all kinds of excuses out, but uh, really, that verse in, in Amos, uh, feeling like, look, this guy, he's just a farmer, a grower of sycamore figs. He he was a shepherd, um, but the Lord used him. And, uh, and that's just, that was a really encouraging verse to me. And a lot of different verses. Jeremiah, um, in, in Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 9, he says, um, Then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name, but his word was in my heart like a burning fire. It was shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back, and I could not. I love that verse because Jeremiah, he's just, he's praying. He's been thrown in the dungeon. He doesn't, he just has barely enough bread and water and, uh, everybody's mocking him. Nobody believes him. And he just says, I'm not going to pray anymore, God. I'm not going to, I'm not going to preach anymore. I'm not going to speak anymore in your name. But the moment that he says that God's words in his heart, like a burning fire, it's in his bones. He's weary of holding it back and he just has to preach it. And I feel like that oftentimes as I read my, my Bible and memorize different passages and meditate on God's word. And just think, man, and sometimes I just uh, don't feel like preaching. Sometimes in the villages, I have to go eight hours preaching and teaching at some of the conventions that we have. And you're just like rendido. How do you say that? You're wasted. Wasted. Yeah. Here. <clears throat> you just feel dead. <laughs> you feel like fainting. And, uh, but, at the same time, God's word just in your heart like a burning fire. It's shut up in your bones. You feel like I got to preach. I want to preach it. I have to preach it. And uh, anyway, those are two verses really that have uh, uh, really uh, inspired me and encouraged me um, in the beginning, in the very beginning that I've hung on to also um, till now. Anything you had differently or some of the same? or um, I'd have to look at my journals. I don't remember the verses. Um, I obviously just being together and hearing that and being having similar thoughts. But as far as what I would say to anybody who's considering, um, I would say basically Micah's last encouragement about um, being obedient and being active and being ready is the exact, I mean, those three points if you remember them, but... Um, like be involved in doing whatever the Lord brings to your door right now. Um, and maybe the Lord doesn't have missions. Um, like um, Dan was mentioning, we're the access for whoever is in our immediate circle. So whether that circle, I mean, we're like this little circle that moves around the world maybe, or maybe stays in one spot, but we're intended to have an influence on the people who are immediately around us. And, 
So being obedient and really being faithful to the Lord in every moment, um, whatever that might be. And then that extends as the Lord makes it known to you through other people as well as um, just, you know, immediately to yourself. But um, it's the Lord is so good. And as we know him, we'll see what he wants us to be doing. And I mean, that sounds so mystical, sort of, I guess, if you don't know the Lord. But that's just the way it is for all of us who do. <laughs> yeah, actually, uh, Amy might need the mic for this one still. So, um Six kids raising them in Peru now, and uh, two of them are going to college, so you're going to be they'll be leaving. But um, for the past 16 years, you've been doing raising your kids in Peru, uh, homeschooling them, right? Mm-hmm. Correct. Um, so Micah goes out on river trips and hiking through the jungle. And are the boys with you all the time, or sometimes, or sometimes? sometimes. And so, what is it like for you? He's gone. What's your everyday type of life stuff? What's what are you doing in Terrapota, where you mm-hmm. live, uh, to share the gospel with people, all that stuff. Um, basically, my ministry is living the gospel in my immediate family. And um, so when he's gone, I, my, I don't have any outside ministries because really um, taking care of my family and homeschooling them takes up all of my mind space. I don't have any more brain cells available for other things. Um, and so that's my my mission. And actually, a couple of years ago, and it's kind of a thing a mom struggles with, I think. I mean, whether you're here or there, um, figuring out what you can do, because being a mom takes up a lot of time and energy. Um, and it was really cool how the Lord showed me that um, being a mom was actually hugely more impacting than I even realized because they're where we are. They, we have tons of, there's broken families. There aren't any whole numerous generation Christian families where we were and they don't see what it looks like to have a Christian mom and dad, um, and to grow up in a Christian family and to have that kind of a a life isn't normal. And so to provide that stability in our family was a big deal. Um, and I realized the Lord showed me actually the value of that and that um, I didn't need to be doing other things. Doing that was doing, was influencing others. Um, so that was a really huge thing that the Lord was, um, you know, encouraged me with. Um, but when he's gone, it's actually kind of better. <laughs> If I can say that, because when he's there, like the schedule, (laughs) when he's there, I never know when he's going to arrive or when he's going to leave. And, you know, it's kind of crazy. But then when he's there, I know I'm the one in charge and I can set the schedule. So it's a little more normal. Um, I can go at my own pace. I mean, obviously, we miss him in the very in the. In the beginning, when the river trips were a little bit more um, not normal to us, they were newer, and it, it was a little bit nerve-wracking sometimes when I knew that he was going to be far. Mostly, if he was going to take one of our kids, I really had to struggle with the Lord of not being afraid that the Lord was going to take care of them, and um, and that you know if they died, it was it was okay. He was with them. <laughs> You know, I mean, because those are real things. Even now they're normal. I'm used to it, but I'm not afraid 
um, like I was tempted to be in the beginning. So just really committing that to the Lord was a big deal in the beginning, um, really. And also when there's visitors, I tend to be like, oh, Lord, please don't let them get sick or get hurt. or Because, you know, there's so many other people who are praying and worried or would worry. And um, so I just, but just taking that really to the Lord constantly until he gives that peace that is a promise uh, that passes understanding when we take our requests to him. And Micah, you want to explain a little bit what, what you do with river trips and villages and stuff? Um, sure, but let me just yeah, add on onto this real quick. Yeah. Just uh, as as Amy was already saying, um, uh, the family and we have we have a big family and we're sort of a, a spectacle being such a big family, especially in Tarapoto, where we were the only white family in in Tarapoto until a year ago, um, and so people see us and we really stand out. <clears throat> and the world needs to see. I think it's a, a it's a great opportunity for us being a big big family because the world needs to see christian families and like and how they work um strong christian families and it's a tremendous opportunity it that preaches louder than than i can preach open air on the street corner uh your family and amy um and all that she does her ministry is to our family she supports me and loves me and um, and loves our kids and educates our kids and, uh, and we're not perfect. Um, but, uh, the Lord is, has blessed our family and it's, uh, I think, uh, well, I know it's our main ministry, our family and Amy, uh, is at the center of that. Um, so river trips, yeah. basically on a, a river trip, um, up until two years ago, I would try to do one river trip, a week-long river trip every month. And then two years ago, we started a Bible institute in our house. And so we had a bunch of students living with us, and, and things really changed a lot. But still um, trying to get out. I have 30 villages that I visit in a circuit. And uh, usually on a river trip, I'll try to visit five or six of those villages. And I'll spend about 24 hours in each village. And I never go alone. I always go with a group of guys that uh, I'm discipling or brothers from the church or um, or the students from the institute. Some of our kids might go along, one or two. Um, but basically, we'll arrive at a village in the boat. <clears throat> the Lord blessed us with a boat. And uh, we'll, we'll arrive at a, at a village and we'll get out of the boat and... Basically set up camp, uh, usually in the the church building, the building that's there. And we'll just set up tents. Uh, tents are great mosquito nets. Uh, they keep you from mosquitoes, which can kill you through malaria or dengue. Um, and rats can't get in. Snakes can't get in. But uh, then we'll go out two by two from hut to hut, uh, giving out New Testaments or tracts. Um, uh, trying to pray for people, uh, share the gospel with people. <clears throat> um, usually I'll go with eye drops, paracetamol, Tylenol, um, and anti-parasite pills. And with those things, you can heal almost anyone. It's incredible. <laughs> and uh, so, anyone, uh, so anyway, we go from door to door doing that. I invite everyone to the open air meeting at night. When I go to a village, we always have an open air meeting at night. Usually the whole or a lot of the village comes out to listen. And, uh, 
and they'll preach open air. After that, I'll usually have a meeting with the church leaders to deal with problems. And there's always problems in the churches. And then usually we'll go to sleep uh, around midnight, get up. A lot of times they'll want to have a prayer meeting at 4.30 in the morning. And so the whole church will come together and uh, we'll have a prayer meeting at 4.30 in the morning. And uh, then I usually will have breakfast. Well, I'll teach a class. Usually I'm teaching some some kind of a class with the guys that I'm taking and with the brothers in the village, usually from 7 o'clock in the morning till 12. We'll eat lunch, and then at, at lunch we'll go on to the next village. After lunch we'll go on to the next village and do the whole thing over again. And so that's a general river trip. And uh, a lot of times th- there's a section of river or a section of villages that are away from the river, uh, the bigger river, where we'll have to hike and uh, those are, I like the hiking. I always look forward to those villages uh, where you get to hike sometimes uh, a lot of miles in between villages and crossing rivers and slogging through the mud. And it's awesome. All right, so uh, we'll open up for a few questions. Mike Asel. You can say it, I'll repeat it. Yeah. So how would you counsel someone um, who isn't sure if they're called to go but kind of thinks they might be? Is that what you – specifically a family, yeah. Okay, so specifically a family. Yeah, I have uh, an answer right away. Don't go. Don't go. You, gotta, you, you have to try to avoid full-time ministry, whether it's in the States or on the mission field. Just try to avoid it at all costs. But if the Lord forces you and you like you, there's no way out, you God is forcing you to go, <clears throat> then you have to go. That's I really feel like I guess John Wesley, they said, would would counsel young men that wanted to come into the ministry, get into the ministry full time. He'd say, try to avoid it at all costs. And, and the whole point that he's trying to if but if, yeah, if the Lord won't let you alone, <laughs> he won't give you a break, then. He forces you into it. You, then you've got to obey. Then you, then, you, then, you, then you would talk to your elders and get their, you know, they know your gifting. They can be working, you know, with you um, and being, being involved in whatever, you know, whatever you have locally. And also um, get in touch with some of the missionaries you know and um, look at, like, we've, we've had a lot of people kind of looking into missions more recently, looking into like a, a month or a four-month, six-month stay in somewhere where they're interested in, um, but working closely with the with the elders um, and other wise counsel, people that are available in the life, um, f- and just kind of seeing, you know, and then really seeking the Lord, and he'll show clearly, like Micah said. The, the Just the idea of... Um, full-time ministry it's not a game and i think a lot of uh, it's danger for missionary kids growing up to just 
oh, I'll be a missionary too because that's what my dad did or my mom and dad did. And, um, and it's really not the Lord calling them to do it. Um, and I, I really... I really feel strongly that the Lord needs to be calling you to do it. I mean, I've never had a, a vision except for last night uh, or uh, <clears throat> or a dream or anything like that. Um, but just the more and more I read God's word and got closer to the Lord and just tried to yield to what he wanted for my life, I just really felt like um, the Lord was opening up the door to go to Peru, go through that door. And we did that and the Lord's blessed us. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just would give that counsel of don't, like, avoid it if you can. I would give that counsel so that people would understand it's not to be taken lightly. All right, any other questions out there? Yeah, so what's your source of income? How are you guys surviving? Yeah, um, I was an electrician 16 years ago, and we went to Peru originally. Um, we went to our elders, uh, Eastgate Bible Chapel in Portland, Oregon, asked if they would commend us, and they commended us. And we asked actually for one year accommodation um, because we wanted to see if we could uh, learn the language, learn the culture, if this is something that we really wanted to do long term and not really knowing where money would come from either. And uh, so we lived off our savings that first first year some people from our assembly supported us with about 200 uh 300 a month um and we survived on that and then after that year we went back and uh and told our elders this is something that we do want to do long term and uh felt like the lord was leading us that way and uh uh they recommended that we would go to bible school uh so i went to bible school for i did uh two years and one at emmaus bible college in iowa and then we went back to Peru and never talked, we've never talked about money or asked for money or anything like that. And we just, uh, we just, I really feel like if the Lord wants us there, he's going to provide. And I have my electrical license. So I've, I've always felt like in the beginning, we'll just, uh, when we run out of money, I'll go back to the States and work for a year and I can save up and that'll be good for three years in Peru. Um, and, and that was my idea in the beginning, but. The Lord has provided for us in amazing ways, and uh, um, we sometimes, when there's uh, a lot of provision, we're able to do more things, and when there's less, uh, it, it, we're able to put food on the table, but it's been amazing how we've never uh, talked about money or asked for money. Our assembly in Portland, Oregon supports us uh, each month. It's always different, and different people have supported us uh, across the country, sometimes people we've never uh, we don't even know who they are, um, but it's been amazing how the Lord has provided for us. Hudson Taylor, missionary to China, said this, God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. And I guess it's being presumptuous to say that we're doing God's work in God's way. We're trying to do God's work in God's way. And uh, and we have experienced that God, God supplies. He he provides, and it's it's been really really amazing to see how the Lord has provided. Uh, when there's big needs, He provides big, and when there's smaller needs, He provides smaller. But uh, the Lord has provided for us without ever even talking about money. So, questions? Questions? Yeah. Um, I'm sure you guys have had your fair share of 
physical challenges, <coughs> whether that be sickness or whatever, <laughs> getting bitten by a snake or something. But uh, <coughs> have, have you or can you share um, an experience or a, a time when you were struggling mentally, psychologically, like um, almost to the point where you're like, I'm throwing in the towel, I can't do this anymore. Has that ever happened? And if so, have you come close to that? Apparently, Micah doesn't want to answer that no, question. I oh, I just don't want to hog the oh, okay. Microphone. Well, I'll just, I mean, Micah has had times where it is hard, um, especially when you get sick. Um, it is really hard when you're sick. I don't know what it is, but when you're like physically unable, it really affects your encouragement level as well, you know. And so I now have a lot of compassion for people who are struggling physically. It's really a downer. But um, there have been lots of times um, where things are hard all at once. Like it's normal for things to be hard. But then when things are big stuff's hard all at one time when you're sick and things are crashing there and this person's having a difficult – and all at once, that's when. And that is when you have to like totally – you know, render yourself before the Lord because you do want to give up. I'll let Micah say about a, maybe a specific time or whatever, but there, that's that's constant, and I think probably for every missionary because you're sometimes you feel by yourself, you know, because you're far away, um, and you and especially now with Facebook, you see all the stuff everybody else in the world's doing, and you feel kind of by yourself. But um, but the Lord is so faithful. Like there's times where that's really strong, but the Lord is so faithful to and in his tenderness of care for every everyone that it doesn't last long. And we know people are praying, you know, and that's always huge. The Lord will always um, frequently send some, you know, somebody emails or or I don't know, it can be nothing, but it's an evidence of somebody caring and um, or. I don't know, but it's like so broad. But the Lord is so good that he encourages us through people and circumstances. And he's just so tender that when you're aware of him, you can see all of that. He does it and we don't notice, you know. But then when you're down, you you can notice often. Yeah, it's uh, We've gone through lots of discouraging times. And a lot of times thinking that exact phrase, I'm throwing in the towel. This is just... Uh, I want to go back. Uh, I've had, I've had meningitis, uh, where I thought I was going to die. I felt like dying. I've had dengue. Um, I've had intestinal parasites where I lost like 30 pounds. And, uh, um, Amy's had some miscarriages. Um, I don't know if that was necessarily due to, we don't know if that was due to where we live, but, uh, those are those are hard things, and uh, <clears throat> um, you you feel like sometimes throwing in the towel. And um, but it's amazing how the Lord's people um, pray pray for us. We're going to have a time to pray just right after this, but uh, that's really uh, encouraging. Um, I was open air preaching um, every Monday in in the uh, market of Cajamarca in the mountains when we used to live there. And uh, every Monday after I would open air preach, I'd get really sick. 
I didn't know what it was. And uh, I called my dad and and told him about it. And I, I found out there was a witch doctor that was um, in the area, and he was doing uh, incantaciones. And, um, he was doing hexes and things on me. And uh, it was... Uh, and so I, I told my dad about it. I called my dad, and he just started praying every Monday. And I was fine from then on. Never happened again. And uh, But there's been different times when I've just been thinking, boy, somebody must be praying for us right now. I don't know where it is. We'll find out in heaven. Um, but uh, that's encouraging. Bert Elliott, he, he's gone on to be with the Lord now, but um, he was 87 or so when he died, and his wife died just six weeks later. And uh, But he would always say, what a life, what a life, Micah, what a life. He was just, he loved Peru, and I love Peru, And but he just enjoyed life. And I mean, he had a lot of responsibilities, and he could have had a lot of stress, but it didn't seem like he was a very stressed person, because he just, he just enjoyed the life that the Lord had given to him. We went to this 4th of July picnic once the first year or first 4th of July that we were in Peru. We're learning Spanish and they had this 4th of July picnic. This is on the coast of Peru. There was a bunch of missionaries, American missionaries from different missions and they all got together for 4th of July. And uh, I was just going around drilling all the missionaries with all kinds of questions, trying to learn from them. How do you do this? And how do you do that? And I want to know what you do in ministry. And everybody's giving these different answers in this one missionary. He said, you know, we uh, have had it with this hell hole of Peru. We hate it here. And we've put in a mission, uh, a change of mission field to our mission board. We're requesting Hawaii. And I laughed like you guys. But he looked at me serious. He's like, no, we're serious. And, and uh, we're like, oh, yeah. But uh, uh, and then Bert was sitting on the other side of us and he was just. What a life. What a life. And he just loves Peru and loved where the Lord put him. And um, just, you know, a, a total different attitude. Um, being happy with where the Lord has put you, where he's opened up doors. And knowing that people are praying for you. And there are hard times that you go through. But uh, that encouragement that people are praying for you. And uh, just encouraging yourself in the Lord. We'll go with one more question, and then we'll jump into prayer. Chris, the answer, yeah. Not, not, not really, not um, a little bit, but uh, I think that the opposition would probably be more difficult here. Actually, uh, I've had tourists, American tourists, who have been more upset with me than uh, than Peruvians. Once I was opening a preaching in our main square in Tarapoto, and an American tourist came by, and he was swearing and yelling at me about uh, how I've just come to brainwash everybody into Christianity. And, and uh, so more trouble from Americans. <laughs> um, I mean, I... I get, uh, I've had uh, drunks a lot of times mock as I as I preach, and uh, once I was preaching in the in the river, and the drunk threw a fish at me, and uh, actually piranhas uh, all devoured the dead fish that he threw at me, and then uh, that was kind of fun. Um, but uh, um, I guess one time I was opening a preaching in Yurimagua, it's a town down the down the way, and a, a guy came up and he had a boa in a box and he 
like he threw it at me. Uh, but it didn't do anything. It was, uh, but anyway, yeah, you run into some weird people and, uh, but for the most part, um, people, people, uh, are interested in, in hearing. Well, on one side as a gringo, a white guy with a funny Spanish accent, it really opens up the door a lot. And, but on the other side, John Wesley said this, I'm sorry, I have lots of quotes that are just floating in my head, but he said, somebody asked him, why do so many people come to watch you preach or hear you preach? And he said, I light myself on fire and people come to watch me burn. It's interesting to see somebody burn and, uh, and, uh, I mean, every, every open air preaching or different, yeah, or is a different experience, but uh, sometimes people just like start to really gather around and it's exciting. And uh, you light yourself on fire reading God's word and spending time in his presence and people come to watch you burn. So we're going to break up into about groups of four, five, three, if you want, um, and we're going to have a time of prayer. So we'll have 10 minutes for each section of prayer. So we'll pray for uh, Micah, his wife, and his family. We'll pray for each other right now and for laborers to be sent out. And then we'll pray for uh, these villages that Micah goes to, 31 of them, right? 30 of them-ish. You gave me the list of names. We have cards we're going to pass out. So you'll each get a card of one of the villages that Micah visits and preaches at uh, continuously. So you'll get one of those cards to pray for. That'll be the last section of time. So uh, the last question we'll kind of intro into prayer is how do you want us to pray for you? Because we're going to do that right now for the next 10 minutes. Well, just, I mean, just pray for our marriage. Pray for me as as a husband and a father. And if that falls into place, everything else... Is easy. Uh, everything falls into place when uh, when your marriage is right and uh, when the home is right. So that's that's my big prayer request. Amen. Um, I think uh, that we would continue to cling to the Lord like everyone must, um, and draw our strength from Him and. All of those things, you know, that everyone, every Christian knows that they need, we need it. And we want the Lord to use us uh, in whichever way he would. Um, And in order for him to be able to do that, we need to be like him and holy and um, have a yearning to be with him and like him. And so that spiritual holiness, that we would long for it, and that makes us want to have a great family and have a um, great marriage and do great things for him when we love him with all of our heart. All right, so you can break up into small groups of three, four, five, and I'll be passing these cards out to you. I'll come around and give them to everyone. So.